I love the, the gospel message from Luke on the day of resurrection because the people didn't know what to, what to think and they were amazed. Peter was absolutely amazed at what had happened. Peter had been walking with Jesus for at least three years and yet he was still amazed. And today, Easter is a day of amazement for us as well. We should be amazed at this event we come to remember this morning, Easter. Over the past six weeks, we've been walking with Jesus through the gospel of Luke. My prayer is that you've grown closer to Jesus as you have walked with him. And it's my hope that you're amazed at the glory and the beauty of the gospel message. Luke is truly a gospel of amazement. In fact, 14 times in the gospel, that word amazed or amazement is used. We've seen how the crowds who interact with Jesus, they're, they're constantly amazed at what Jesus says and does. They're amazed at his healings. They're amazed at the words that he say. And even once, Jesus is amazed at the faith of a soldier. Are we amazed? Are we amazed at who Jesus is? at what he did. It's easy, it's, it's easy for us to sometimes get calloused by the things of the world. And for most of us, it takes a lot for us to be amazed. So today on this Easter Sunday, I, it's my prayer that we are once again amazed by the work of God in Jesus. I hope we are amazed at the resurrection. And so that is my prayer. Because just three days earlier, on Friday, Jesus was killed on a cross, an innocent man. But more than just a man, as the Bible says, this Jesus, this human one, this son of man, God made flesh. He came. Jesus was the Messiah, the Savior, the incarnate of God. God with us. This was God hanging on the cross. God suffering and dying a terrible death. In effect, the world had said, God, we don't like the way you're running the world. We don't like your ideas. We have a better idea. We know what the world should look like. We have better ideas about who you should be and how you should take care of us. We have better ideas about how to bring peace. We don't want you to be in control. We want to be in control. We can do it on our own, thank you very much. We'll pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We don't need you. That is what humanity has said since the beginning. And on this day, all of his followers, it says, abandoned him. They, they were kind of in the background looking on. Their hopes were dashed in the cross. Their expectations buried in the tomb. Because they could not understand that, that suffering and rejection were a part of God's plan for salvation. That's hard for us to accept even today. But I hope you hear that because to me, this is amazing. God suffered and died for us. The creator of the universe, the one that breathed life into us, the one who is absolutely sovereign, absolutely holy, absolutely loving, died the death of a criminal so that we might be saved. And throughout Luke, if you've been following along, if you've read Luke during the season of Lent, uh, Jesus has been trying to prepare his followers for this event, but they could not grasp it. They could not understand. 
Even though Jesus had told them plainly that he would suffer and be rejected by the world, but this was beyond what they could comprehend. They couldn't understand why this would happen. You know, when as I was reading the prayer requests and we see some of the tragedies of life, we get the same way. Why would this happen? Why would a seminary student be killed the day before Easter? It doesn't make sense. Well, actually, it, it does. Because throughout the Bible, we see suffering. We see rejection. We see the consequences of our actions and sin. We see how our free will has gotten in the way so many times. And Jesus has been trying to prepare us for that. So that we can take the what happens of life and see that ultimately God is in control. That for those in Christ, there is life after death and after tragedy. So early Sunday morning, some of the women who were Jesus' disciples came to the tomb. And I, I want you to hear that. These women were Jesus' disciples. They came to the tomb of Jesus, and they didn't come to see a risen Jesus. They came to anoint a dead body. Even as they looked into the tomb and they saw it empty, they didn't understand. In fact, the scripture says that they didn't know what to make of this. They didn't know what to make of an empty tomb. And that's when they, it says, Luke says they saw two men standing beside them, gleaming in bright clothes. These were messengers of God, angels. And I love what they say to the women from Luke 24, 5 through 7. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember, remember, remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again. The women don't understand what is happening and the angels don't understand how the women don't understand what has happened. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Why did you bring spices to anoint a dead body? Don't you remember? Don't you remember? Don't you remember what Jesus told you? Why don't you understand? Have you ever been reprimanded by someone you love? Don't you remember what I told you? My wife might have done that to me once or twice. <laughs> don't you remember? Don't you remember what he said? What he has been telling you for at least three years? Over and over and over again? Can't you figure this out? You know, remembrance is an important part of our journey of faith. Throughout this series, I've just retold the story of Luke. And at times as I'm sitting writing the sermons, I've, I've wondered, is, is that even enough? I've wondered if sometimes if people have heard the story too many times. But I was reminded by God that on more than one occasion throughout this series, that we need to remember. And for people to remember they must have heard the story in the first place. So often we, we take for granted that we know the story and, and so often we don't really know the story. It's fascinating though that in the act of remembering, often our faith is activated in deeper ways. Two weeks ago when I was 
preaching on the scene of the Last Supper and, and Jesus in the upper room and we had uh, the, the table set up and we uh, did communion in the Last Supper. As I was preparing for that sermon, you know, I've, I've read that passage so many times and I've, I've preached on that passage multiple times. Uh, but something happened in the moment when I was writing that sermon. Sitting at the keyboard, I was... Uh, I allowed myself to be transported back to the Exodus. And that's what the Passover meal is designed to do. It's designed to transport you back in time as if you were there to place yourself in the story. And for a moment, not physically, but I, I could imagine myself being there. For a moment, I, I felt what it was like to be a slave with no hope. My daily existence making brick after brick. No hope, no relenting, no purpose. And in my soul, there was this overwhelming sense of my utter helplessness, of what it must have been like to be a slave in that existence, knowing that your children would be slaves, knowing that your parents were slaves, knowing that there was no way out. You know, when you, when you get there, when you get backed into a corner, I was, I was overwhelmed by it. There's no way out. There's no way out. And the despair of it flooded my soul. And, and there came a phrase from God, and I said it in the sermon, like a light piercing the darkness, I've provided a way out. See, with God, there is always a way out. God always provides a way out. And I was always transported from the exodus to the Last Supper and the cross, again, reminded of my utter helplessness and hopelessness in saving myself. Despite all my efforts, despite my best intents, there is no way out. And flooding my soul, I remembered the cross. God provided a way out of my helplessness, my hopelessness. I remembered there's a way out. Jesus has provided a way out through the cross. And I, and I sat there, honestly, weeping as I was writing the sermon. There's a way out. God has saved us. And it's glorious. It's amazing. That's the amazing part of the story. But for us, we have to remember. And for us to remember, we have to know the story. Because this story is unlike any other story in human history. Through the sacrifice on the cross and the power of the resurrection, God has provided a way out. And on this day, we come to remember resurrection. You see, the resurrection of Jesus is the central tenet of our faith as Christians. It is on the resurrection of Jesus that the church is built. In fact, we'll talk about that next week as well. It's on this event is the reason we are here today. Without it, there would be no church. Jesus' resurrection is unlike anything else we can imagine. And I want you to understand that it was a physical resurrection. It happened. Jesus showed himself, it says in the text, to many of his apostles, telling him, and, and this is the reason why he did this, is because they had a hard time believing. So often we do too, because Jesus would say, look, feel my hands, Look at the side that was pierced. He ate with them just to remind them that it wasn't just a spirit, but it was a physical resurrection. 
It was a bodily resurrection. Jesus overcame death so that we can overcome death as well. You know, other religions have their ideas about theology and salvation and and right living. Other religions have ideas about the afterlife and their own scriptures. But I love this quote from Darrell Bach. But only Christianity has a God who became human, literally died for his people, and was raised again in power and glory to rule his church forever. That is who we are. That is why we are here. Without the resurrection, you might as well go home. See, this is unique. This is truly amazing. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we know that God's kingdom has broken into our own history. God's power is at work destroying sin, creating new lives and preparing us for Jesus to come again. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we know that death has been conquered and we have a hope for eternal life with Jesus. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we, the church, have authority to witness to the world. But not only the authority, but the responsibility as well. This is the good news, the gospel for the world. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, it gives meaning to our life. Even in the face of great tragedy, we have hope. We know that no matter what happens in this life, we have a hope for a future. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we know that we serve a God who is alive. He is not a hoax, a legend. He is alive and real. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we have access to that same power from God so that we can live for him and even live faithful lives in the midst of an evil world. Someone should say amen. Amen. I want you to remember and to be amazed at the resurrection. We're coming to the end of our journey in Luke But we aren't quite finished walking with Jesus. We have a little further to go. We didn't read this part of the text, but on that same day, the same day of resurrection, two of his disciples were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And they were remembering everything that had taken place. When all of a sudden the text says that a stranger joined them and started walking with them. And the stranger asked the men what they're talking about. And the two men can't believe what they hear. How could this man not know what had just taken place? So as they're walking with this stranger, they begin to retell the story of Jesus, how they thought that he was the one to come and redeem the people. They even told the stranger that some of the women earlier that day had told them with this amazing story that the tomb of Jesus was even empty. But they couldn't understand They couldn't see. And the stranger, he begins to shake his head and he begins to admonish them. (laughs) He says, how foolish are you? How slow are you to understand? Don't you remember what Moses and the prophets said? Do you not remember what Moses and the prophets said about the Messiah? And then the stranger begins to remind them of all the prophecies and remind them that the the Messiah had to suffer and die. And they were amazed. And when they get to the village, the two disciples urge the stranger to stay with them for the night. And, And later on that night, as they're at the table eating, this stranger takes a piece of bread and he breaks it and he gives it to them. And the text says that their eyes were opened They recognized Jesus and they 
remembered and they were amazed. See, in our journey of walking with Jesus, sometimes we will have eyes to see. Sometimes we'll be heartbroken and we won't understand. Sometimes we will be confused, but it's important for us to continue the journey, to continue walking even when we don't understand. As we walk with Jesus, we must be intentional about reading his word so that we know the story better. So that in the moment when we least expect it, God might break in and remind you of the significance as you remember. That God might show up and give you a glimpse of his glory. But in order for us to have a glimpse of his glory, we have to walk with him. We must trust in him. Our journey doesn't end here. Our walking with Jesus doesn't end with the gospel of Luke. It's just the beginning. So I leave you with Jesus' last words in Luke's gospel. May they be your creed and promise this morning. In fact, some people believe that Luke 24 is an actual Easter service. It's written so that you may believe. It's written in a way that the church reads through it and understands. But may Jesus' words be written on the doorposts of your heart. May Jesus' words give you strength for the journey. May his words give you hope, joy, peace, and courage. For this journey with Jesus ends not in death, but in resurrection, in new life, in a way out. If you will, put the scripture up there. Will you read them with me? These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things and see I am sending upon you what my father promised. Jesus Christ has risen. He is risen indeed. Let us pray. On this day, O oh God, as we are reminded again of your promise and your resurrection. We come to commit our lives to you. Open our hearts to receive you, O oh God. We know that too often we get tripped up by the world. We forget. We don't remember. We don't remember your commands. We don't remember how you have taught us to live. And we get caught up in our own world. And in our own world so often, we cause chaos and confusion. So in this moment, oh God, there are some that need to recommit their lives to you. And God, I pray that they would pray a prayer of repentance even now. 
that Holy Spirit, that you would be softening their hearts, that you would be opening their hearts to receive you. May they not hide themselves from you. Be revealed to them even now, O God. And there are some here that have never given their hearts to you completely. They've been walking around the edges like the crowds, amazed but not truly following you. In this moment, O God, may they take that next step, that next step on the journey with you by offering their life to you. Come and be their Savior and their Lord, even in this moment, O God. Come, Holy Spirit, and move, we ask. We thank you. We rejoice. We rejoice with Christians around the world this day. For the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world has risen. Jesus Christ is our Lord. Jesus Christ has conquered death. May he reign in our lives this day and forevermore, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.